Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm doing another bonus episode, and that bonus episode is the TV movie from 1998 entitled 15 and Pregnant, starring Park Overall and Kirsten Dunst. In this episode, episode, I'm sorry guys, <laughs> I'm so used to reviewing TV shows. In this movie, when 15-year-old Tina becomes pregnant, her parents must grapple not only with their own current marital crisis, but also their opposing views on adoption. Here's another movie synopsis. Based on a true story, 15-year-old Tina Spangler discovers she is pregnant. Her choices are abortion, adoption, or a lonely, exhausting life as a single parent. Abandoned by her boyfriend, she turns to her mother. Tina discovers, although it has torn her world apart, her pregnancy could reunite her shattered family and help her find her true purpose in life. So this movie actually, it's got a low rate. It's got a 5.7 out of 10 based on 2,158 ratings on IMDb. It was directed by Sam Pillsbury, writer Susan Kuskuna. Let's see, what else has she done? Joshua's Heart TV movie. Um, a lot of different TV movies. All right. The director, Sam Pillsbury, let's see, it looks like he directed the new Where the Red Fern Grows, the uh, one that came out in 2003, which I don't think I want to watch. I prefer the one from, like, 1974. Sam Pillsbury also directed Secret of Giving, starring Reba McIntyre. That came out in 1999. Has it, speaking of Reba McIntyre, has anybody watched the show Reba? It's on Hulu right now, and I haven't... Every once in a while, I'll see it there, and part of me is like, I kind of want to see what that's about. Because it looks like it could be good. I don't know. So I'm looking through the images on IMDb. A lot of them are stills from the movie, and some of them are different um, cover art for the movie. One thing in particular... You just see a shot of this giant belly. This has nothing to do with the movie. I'm guessing like anybody can come in here and just throw in any picture they want. I don't know how this ever got. But this does not look like Kirsten. All you're seeing is a big belly and part of some girl's face. What in the world? Go check it out on IMDb, 15 and Pregnant, and look at the images. Alright, so I'm going to do some goofs here. So, when the baby is born, his umbilical cord is not attached. After it is quote-unquote cut, there is no clip or remaining piece on his navel. It's completely bare. Well, yeah. I mean, clearly they used a baby that wasn't a... They, I don't think they used newborns in these types of birthing scenes in movies and TV. It's usually a baby that's what, like, between... Three to five months old. Boom Mike visible in the daycare scene shortly after Rachel Spangler decides to move in with her dad. They'll have to keep an eyeball for that. Continuity. When Evie manages to eavesdrop on one of Tina's phone calls from Ray, she discovers she or excuse me, the, she covers the mouthpiece on the phone of the phone with a gray t shirt. In the next shot it is a black and pink floral shirt. 
Another continuity, Ray has a cigarette tucked behind his right ear while talking to Tina about going back to football. In the very next shot, the cigarette has disappeared. In the next shot, it is there again. Here's a revealing mistake. When the male doctor examines Tina's belly, you can see the white pillow just before he brings it just before he brings down her gown. I gotta, I gotta keep an eye for that. So this was released on January 19th, 1998. We have two taglines. A child's secret, a mother's love, a family's rebirth. Tina Spangler is about to discover just how little she knows about life. I gotta say I like the first one better. It was filmed, this whole movie was filmed in Oregon. Of course, since 15 and Pregnant come out, had come out, there have been other movies in the same vein. There's even been TV shows. Teen Mom, 16 and Pregnant. There's a, movie, a Lifetime movie that came out in 2005 called Mom at 16. In this movie, pregnant 16-year-old Jaycee's well-meaning mother forces her to keep the birth a secret and decides to raise the baby as her own. And I saw that movie. I thought it was alright. I thought it was pretty good. So, I remember when I first started watching this, I was in high school in uh, the late 90s. And this is when we had cable, so I caught it on Lifetime. And I was aware of Kirsten Dunst from most likely Jumanji. I'd never seen Little Woman. I'd never seen Interview with a Vampire, so Jumanji was pretty much my first Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst exposure, if you will. So, um, And I just remember watching it, because I was a teen, and she's a teen, and I'm like, wow, this is right up my alley. <laughs> just because... You know, I mean, I grew up in a Catholic household and stuff like that, so... And my own older sister actually had gotten pregnant when she was 17, so... I was like, oh, what would Grandma think if I were watching this movie? <laughs> um, but... And I've seen it multiple times over the years. I, I do like the movie. It's it's a good movie. Um, I've listened to some podcasts that have reviewed this movie. One in particular is Lifetime and Cork. If you guys want to laugh and you don't want to like have to go worry about getting a Lifetime movie subscription or anything like that, check out that podcast because they will sum up movies for you like within like 40 minutes. And it's just so hilarious. So definitely check out the 15 and Pregnant review on the Lifetime Uncorked podcast with Patrick Serranto. Alright, of course I want to read a couple reviews. One is going to be like the lowest rating, like a one star. And the other one is going to be a high star, like an 8 or a 10. Alright, so here is... Let me put the microphone. I'm trying to learn how to not speak way into my the microphone because it's creating like some distortion or something so this one is the one out of ten star with the title typical propagandistic piece of trash this of course this review was published on may 22nd 2010 so almost 10 years ago warning spoilers 
Bringing an unwanted pregnancy to term and keeping said baby is child abuse, in all caps. Plain and simple, this movie conveniently ignores that, reali that reality by trying to shove religious morality and other socially constructed, not to mention fictional, ideals down the viewers' throats. Do not yet... Do not let young, vulnerable children watch this movie. Don't let anyone watch this filth. The world would be better if every single copy were burned to ash and scattered to the four winds. Here's what happens when young, single women don't consider abortion or adoption. Their babies are statistically more likely to use hard drugs, commit serious crimes, drop out of school, and or end up in jail. At the very least, they will grow up to hate their mothers for what they've done to them. Where are the movies which portray that? Where are the movies which exemplify reality? I'd love to watch one of those. I sincerely regret wasting two hours of my life on this pathetic excuse for a film. This person has some serious rage in them and problems they need to work out. Bashing a film. It's one thing if you don't like it, but you're bashing it to the point where nobody should watch this film. Everyone should just go based on your opinion alone. I don't think so. Alright, here is the 10 out of 10 review titled An Eye Opening Film, published on August 18th, 2004. At the time I watched this film, I was 14 going on 15, and this film was a real jolt of reality. I'd been feeling broody and felt that I was ready for children, and this movie made me realize how stupid it was to think that. I'm now 16. So now this person is, let's see, they gotta be 32 by now, because this was in 2004 and they were 16 at the time, and it's been 60, not quite 16 years later, so maybe they're almost 32. And this movie has helped me write stories involving teen pregnancy as it really gets into the emotions of all people involved. Kirsten Dunst plays this role very well, and I was shocked at the maturity she was using. <sighs> Park overall's performance was also particularly good. I would recommend this film to all teenage girls who think it's good to have sex, and any parents and teenagers who are going through this at the moment. So I kind of wanted to, I wanted to do this one kind of in honor of Mother's Day in a way. And also I wanted to see about also getting to reviewing the movie Stepmom as well. If I can get to it for May. So hopefully. Otherwise I can just save that one for the fall. Because it does, if you've seen the movie, it does end at Christmas time. So that would be a sweet movie to do around the holidays as well. So without further ado, I bring you... 15 and Pregnant. Let's get on with the review. I haven't watched this in quite a while. I actually had to go on Amazon and buy the DVD because it wasn't streaming anywhere. I'm not paying money for the Lifetime Movie Club either. So right away, we get a black screen and just... It's telling us here, this film, inspired by a true story, contains characters, events, and dialogue which have been fictionalized for dramatic effect, because of course they have. So the movie right away gets into the act of Kirsten Dunst's character Tina and her boyfriend Ray 
having sex. Clearly, it's her first time. And most likely, it's not his first time. He does look like he might be a bit older, but like a year or so, because she's 14 at this point. She hasn't turned 15 yet. And he's already driving a car, so he's clearly got to be at least 16, 17. And we do get a bit of backstory of Tina's current family situation. As, as she's telling Ray, I thought my mom would have let my dad move in back in by now because her parents are clearly they're, they're separated. We'll learn why later. Ray, of course, offers his own expertise of parental abandonment by saying his father split when he was two years old. So, some people out there might say they could chalk this up to Tina has daddy issues because her daddy's not living at home anymore, so she's looking for male comfort. I I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe, maybe not. Like I say, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. It's up to us whether we agree or disagree. I want to know whose house they're having sex in. It can't be her house. And I don't see why it would be his house. Because later we see that he's got like a mom and some siblings or or, or something. So, (laughs) I don't know whose house they're having sex at. And you can tell it's the late 90s with the... He's wearing a couple of those metal beaded bracelets like he's such a badass. We don't even see his face yet. And I love how whatever room they're in, it's clearly gotta be in the evening time because the sun is setting. There's this light glow that's kind of coming into the room. Yeah, after Ray says that, you know, my dad split my old, he says my old man split when I was two and it was the same for me as it was before as far as it really didn't make a difference and Tina's all like well it didn't it's not like that for me and you get this really poppy um the Lifetime Uncorked podcast when they reviewed this movie and I definitely agree with them this song sounds very much similar to that song in the Leonardo DiCaprio 1996, 97, 98 version of Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes, where they played that song. I think it's called Love Fool. Let me look it up. So I'm going to play a second of this Love Fool by the Cardi- Cardigans that is in um, Romeo and Juliet, and then I'll play a little bit of this. And you can kind of see how they're a little similar. Alright, now I'm going to play just the beginning a little bit of the start of 15 and Pregnant. Same poppy tone. Yeah, they're 
a little similar. So they're both undressing each other. She, of course, is wearing like an undershirt. He, of course, is bare chested. You get really right up close and personal with his chest. And that golden hue from the sun just coming in, making his skin look so golden. Tina keeps going on with this, my dad this, I wish he would move back home, and if he did, it'd be so great. And Ray finally is like, does your brain ever hurt from thinking too much? It's like, I don't want to talk about dads anymore, I just want to have sex. Will you shut up? Of course, just like his metal beaded bracelets that he's wearing, he's also wearing a metal beaded choker or necklace, whatever you want to call it. Necklace. This movie gets up close and personal with everything. She's unbuttoning her pants, you see her underwear, and you know, she's laying down, and he just, his eyes, they're so predatory. And she just looks at him like, don't say you love me if you don't. And he doesn't say anything. Oh, like, good, because I'm not going to. Hair is so nasty, greasy. Ugh. Oh, she's got one of those ankle bracelets. All right, now we're going to go to the Spangler home because, you know, Tina's last name is Spangler. And we're going to meet her mother, played by Park Overall. Her name is Evie. Evie, Evie, Eve. We also meet Tina's younger sister, Rachel, her little brother, Adam, who in this drives me nuts. Right around, I mean, this is, we had the Ace Ventura, we'd had the mask, and he's all, and this kid's doing Jim Carrey impression, like, alrighty then, like, whoa, um, you need to stop, that's, he says it, like, at least three or four times in this movie. This just looks like a typical day at the Spangler house. Tina's mother's trying to get breakfast for everybody and just get everyone out the door to school. I'm going to play this little clip here as we see a what is probably a typical day in the Spangler house. Tina and Rachel do not get along. And Tina's all like, oh my gosh, mom, Rachel's feeding Angus the dog, this adorable German, uh, German golden retriever at the table. Like, oh, she's feeding Angus at the table! It's disgusting and unsanitary! He's not... He's across the table from you! He ain't getting into your Cheerios! Relax! I hear dogs have the most sanitary mouths in the world! Yet, whenever I pet a dog, I'm just like, I gotta wash my hands! Stop feeding him! Mom, Rachel's letting Angus back! Remember how I said that there's a religious aspect? The Spangler family goes to church. The kids are in the choir. You can imagine this small town of Oregon, what they probably are saying about Tina's parents who are now separated. 
And in the beginning, right before we get to the whole, stop feeding Angus at the table, it's unsanitary. We see a calendar. It's October 10. I wonder if we're going to get like another timestamp like Thanksgiving, Christmas. I think we do. Um, we see a calendar of a waterfall. And it has a quote. God gives people every opportunity to make the right choice. Hmm, wow. It's really sticking it to the movie, isn't it? Guys, I'm really going to try to not be right on top of the microphone. I realize that that is where the distortion is coming from. As far as the coughing, if you guys have been listening to my reviews of the TV shows of... The movies, you guys know I have an issue with coughing. Um, one day, I hope I'll be cough-free, but that day has not happened yet. So bear with me, I'll do my best. Another thing with Rachel, everyone seems to be having their own set of thing going on in the movie. We have Tina's parents who are separated. We got Tina who's going to wind up pregnant. We got Rachel who's constantly getting fat jokes thrown at her saying that she's, this girl is in no way fat at all. We got Tina's younger brother, Adam, who apparently is living with their father because he's, he keeps according to Evie, or Evie, he keeps messing up. The kid's like 12. I don't know what exactly he's doing, but yeah. The whole separation is a big issue with the family. The kids are having a heck of a time. Like, we don't like living with you, Mom. We want to go live with Dad. Why can't I live with Dad? Why does Adam get to live with Dad? That kind of thing. So, Evie is late for work. And it looks like she works for maybe the city, I'm guessing. She's talking about uh, violations. It's like inspection assignments and violations and stuff. She probably works for the city. We got a lot of guys that are, you know, handing her stuff. So she's clearly one of the head people that a bunch of these guys got to answer to. So now we're going to go to school. Tina is 14, so she's like in 8th grade. And she's going to the bathroom. Of course, she notices she's spotting. So she's like, oh great, I got my period. Woo, I'm not pregnant. Well... <laughs> And of course, what we all are, us ladies do when we don't have a tampon, when we don't have a maxi pad on us, what do we use? Scratchy toilet paper. Yeah. If you like sandpaper against your lady bits, what am I talking? Nobody wants that, right? No. But you make do with what you got. All right, now we're going to get back to Evie's work, or Evie, oh my goodness, and she's telling a lady that's also worked with her is also a friend. Their daughters are friends. Jane, I think, yeah, Jane is her name because she is a mother of Lauren or Laurel. I can't remember. I think it's Lauren, who we learn is a single mother to a two-year-old. And Tina's just hoping that, Tina's just hoping, um, Evie's just hoping that Tina can make it through her 15th birthday without Cal. And Jane is like, oh, do you think you can do it? And she's like, no, he really broke my heart. We learn, of course, later that the reason they're separated is because he cheated on his wife with his secretary. Oh, my or an assistant or whatever. And she's like, Ugh. 
That is such a trope. That is such a trope. It doesn't make it any easier for her. Or... <laughs> but she's doing her best. She's a single mom. She's got three kids. She's doing the best she can. Oh, we actually learn what happened with Adam, why he's messing up. He lost his job at Parks and Recreation, and it was a volunteer position, so it's not like he was getting paid. The kid's 12, and he's got a job? <laughs> a volunteer thing, but still. Yeah, Abby just does not like how this buddy-buddy between Adam and his father, Cal. It's like, no, I really didn't want them eating pizza together, shooting hoops together, you know, laughing and all that stuff. And probably that is some people, you know, people that are sore about their marriage ending probably do want their ex to feel miserable at first. Abby's also complaining about Tina and Rachel fighting and uh, Jane's talking about wanting... Uh, Lori, not Lauren and not Laurel. Gotcha. Lori, who has a two-year-old daughter named Allison. And apparently she moved out with her daughter because she couldn't handle being under the same roof as her mom, I guess. And now we get back to the Spangler home. Uh, apparently they owned a business called Spangler Air Compressors. Adam's waiting in his dad's van for him to go. And you know his mom's getting all his stuff for him. And of course, this is back in 98 when we all had the headphones that we had to put on our head. You know, not the earbuds that we stick in our ears. And now, of course, we hear about Luann, who is the woman that came between Evie and Cal. She's like, is it okay? Are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, as long as Adam doesn't walk in on you and Luann. He's like, hey, look, I told you that's over. I wouldn't have the kids visit if she was there, if we were together. So don't worry about it. Remember back in the 90s when all the guys had the uh, ha their hair like parted in the middle? Yeah. As we see Tina coming out of school and of course she's looking around. Here comes Ray. He's got his car. He's got his leather, he's leather jacket everybody. I guess they're going to go visit with some other run-of-the-mill Suppose wrong side of the tracks, people drinking the pint of vodka, smoking the ciggies down by the railroad tracks. Of course, we got Tina partaking in the smoking and, of course, the sipping off the vodka bottle. Ray, her boyfriend, grabs the bottle, unscrews the cap, and puts his tongue in it inside the it's like, uh, like here you go you first like like you've never had alcohol guy come on are these supposed to be other goody church going kids gone bad is that what I'm supposed to get Ray tells them like hey me and Tina we gotta talk can you like buzz up basically there's like four people there two girls and two guys like you guys gotta go I gotta talk to Tina so he is going to tell her that he is going to be on the football team. The coach apparently let him back on. And she's oh, I'm going to go cheer for you at all your games. And he's basically telling her that, no, you're not because I'm ending things. I can't be distracted. And you're a distraction. Basically, in his mind, he's had her. He's done with her. It's time to move on. Where's everybody going? I got rid of them so we could be by ourselves. Just you and me. 
don't know. That's not what I meant. Look, we gotta slow this thing down. Coach told me and give me another chance. Oh, that's so great. I'll cheer for you at all the games and I'll try for cheerleading. No, I wanna chill a little. I can't hang out with you right now. Comprende? Comprende? <laughs> for how long? Ever. I don't know. Just through football season, I guess. <laughs> I thought we were going to be together forever. <laughs> July to October, it's almost forever for me. Four months. It's not like I'm seeing anybody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Rain a stink-ass leather jacket. Hey, so they were only together from July to October, because... She's like, oh, I'll come cheer for you at all your games, and I'll try it for cheerleading. He's like, no, 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 you're not understanding me. What I'm saying is we need to chill for a bit. And he's like, comprente? I'm like, oh, you and your comprente. <sighs> so she's like, oh, I thought we'd be together forever, which probably, you know, young girls that have just been with her boyfriend for the first time probably after a couple months you were like this is gonna last forever that's it's sad naive thinking but uh yeah that's just the way the cookie crumbles I guess so Ray is like July to October that's about it forever enough for me so he goes off with his friends and she's left there speechless and surprised so now we're going to meet Lori, who works at the floral shop in the mall. And Tina's there like, hey, can you please dumped by my boyfriend? I need some girl time. I need my support system. Please. I'm going to play this clip as she tells Lori that... Because Lori gets around, like, let me guess, it's that guy Ray, right? And she's like, yeah, he ended things. He was saying something about football season. Lori definitely hits the nail on the head when she asks, are you pregnant? And, of course, Tina's like, no, I'm not. Like, whoa, back up. Calm down. <laughs> Be like, are you sure you're not pregnant? Because you just lashed out at me. What's going on? What's the matter? Is it that guy, Ray? Did you guys break up? I thought we'd be together for a really long time. Now he doesn't want to hang out so much. He says it's like football season. You're not pregnant, are you? No! So now we're in Lori's car. And she's like, are you sure you're all right? And Tina's like, yeah, I mean, I skipped my period last month. And when I told Ray about it, he said he'd be, you know, take care of me and everything. Oh, she says, Ray told me he'd never leave me after I told him. He loved her so much. So Tina, of course, like, thank goodness I got my period today. And Lori asks an obvious question, like, did you guys use condoms? So Tina brings up this church group how the reverend said if you use birth control, it's really bad because then that means you're going to do it. What? You need to not go to that church, okay? He is giving you not good information. I mean, he should be saying practice abstinence, but if it happens, use protection. Oh, 
I can't even believe Tina. It's like, you didn't bother, really? But no, Tina's more concerned about the fact that she thought she'd have a real boyfriend for her birthday. That is what matters to her. Not the fact that they didn't use condoms during sets, but because she wanted to have a real boyfriend for her 15th birthday. Girl, you need to get your priorities. See, this is why kids don't need to be having sex. So I'm going to play this clip. You sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I skipped my period last month, but when I told Ray, he said he'd never leave me because he loved me so much. Thank God I got it today. Did you guys use condoms? Once in church group, Reverend McClay said if you use birth control, it's really bad because then you're admitting you're planning to do it. So you didn't bother? I thought I was finally going to have a real boyfriend for my birthday. Hey, when I decided to finally have sex, granted I wasn't Tina's age, I was over 21, I went the whole route. I got it on the birth control, the condoms, all that stuff. Because I wanted to be safe. I wasn't taking any, any, I was taking every precaution I could think of. I didn't want to have anything, you know, come up later. So take precautions, but know the risks for not taking precautions. So here we go to daycare where Lori's two-year-old daughter Allison is. So now we go back in the car with Lori, Tina, and now two-year-old Allison who is screaming her full head off. And Lori is just like, don't worry Allison, we'll be home in a couple minutes, relax. And this kid is just Freaky. I don't know if it's the little girl actress that's having an issue or whether she's just playing the part. And Tina is just like, oh, is this what parenthood is really like? So Tina, of course, is concerned. You know, her stomach's still bugging her, feeling a little jumpy. I mean, Lori is driving a stick shift, so that could be. But Tina also worries, this is a big thing in the movie, always worrying about getting fat. Like, I get it, self-image and everything like that, but it's really a lot of fat shaming in this movie. And she's asking Lori, like, oh, do you think Ray will really want me back after football? And she's like, I don't know. Can you help my daughter calm her down or something? I wonder if the girl really wanted her real mommy, not... The girl that is pretending to be her mom. Okay. You guys should have kept searching for another toddler that could actually. But I get it. They wanted to show that parenthood, young parenthood, is not a bed of roses. Right, now we're going to go to the church where we got Tina and Adam and I think even Rachel in the choir. So Cal gets there. We have the pastor... Or reverend. It's like, hey, how's the Spangler plan and everything? And Cal's like, what? Huh? And the guy, uh, the reverend is talking about Tina having a voice of the angels sent from heaven and this and that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Evie, of course, is already in the pew watching the kids do their singing with the choir. And he's kind of, Cal's kind of kneeling down. He's like, what are you doing here? You dropped them off. Now I get them. It's like, oh, he's like, okay, okay. But you need to move over because we need to look like we're still married even though we're not. We're not even together right now. Because 
that's what the pastor's like, hey, how's the Spangler plan? Like, uh, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> uh. So now Evie is walking out with the kids. She's got a umbrella because it's rainy and gross out. And she's commenting on Tina borrowing her baggy pants again. Of course, Adam throws in a fat joke like, oh, you call those baggy? It's like, shut up, kid. I want to play this clip because we get the first, all righty then, from Adam. Ugh. He says it's way too much. I mean, half of his lines are all like, all righty then. Like, stop. You're not Jim Carrey. Uh, did you borrow my baggy pants again? You call those baggy? Shut up. All righty then. We kind of overreact. Stop it, you do. Adam, I do not know what you are talking about. But, Tina, I am telling you, you are not borrowing my things again without asking. I won't asking. borrow them again, okay? I promise. I didn't have anything else to wear. Well, maybe you should try helping with the laundry. Poor Rachel just forgotten and not acknowledges she walks behind the family. <laughs> and Abby's just like, Tina, you will not borrow my clothes again without asking. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't have anything to wear. Then do the laundry. Do your own laundry. So now it's the next morning, and of course, bacon is frying in the skillet. Oh, the bacon looks so good. Of course, it's Tina's birthday, her 15th birthday. Rachel and Evie are in the kitchen. Evie's asking Rachel, why does Tina not want to have a birthday party? And Rachel's like, well, because she doesn't have a boyfriend. Ugh, are you kidding me? So we see Tina coming down the stairs into the living room. And of course, <laughs> Evie is going to be like, oh, what? Tina's too young for a boyfriend. And... Of course, Rachel's like, I don't want a boyfriend. And Avi's <laughs> like, oh, so you're going to stay perfect for me even when you're a teenager? It's almost like they're, like, shit-talking Tina. Like, on her birthday, mind you. Oh, that smoke detector looks like it's seen better days because it went off because of the bacon. So I'm going to play this clip as they're like, surprise! Tina's in the doorway. Let's wish her a happy birthday. A birthday party. She doesn't have a boyfriend. Well, that is ridiculous. She's too young for a boy. Don't yell at me. I don't want one. Ever. You mean you're going to stay perfect for me even after you become a teenager? Surprise! Oh, happy birthday, honey. Oh, I remember the night you were born. I was so excited. What was Daddy doing? Well, he stayed by your side for 24 hours and the nurse got really agitated. <laughs> Open the presents. Ah, oh, it's from Daddy. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Oh, Mom, is this one from you? Now, gray is as close to black as I'll go for 15. I love it. Yeah, she doesn't Every want you winding up golf. I'm going upstairs to put it on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. I thank God. So, she got, Tina got a locket from her dad, and she got a gray long sleeve top that apparently gray's as close as her mom's going to let her wear. She's not like, you're too young to wear black. You're only 15. Like, she doesn't want to go through a goth phase with Tina because she's already going through the rebellious, pain-in-the-ass teenager phase. <laughs> like, one phase at a time is all it can handle. So, Abby's trying to get to work, and she's like, Tina, you're going to miss your boss. What are you doing? And it turns out Tina already did miss her boss because she was on the phone with her dad. Great. 
We see Tina coming down the steps. She's got the gray top on, and she keeps, like, trying to pull it down over her stomach. Tina gets into the car with her mom, and, of course, Evie's all like, it's a cute top, but aren't you supposed to tuck it in? And Tina immediately is like, well, I can't wear it the way I want. You can have it back. Like, damn, girl, chill your shit. Of course, they're listening to some talk radio. And the topic is teen pregnancy, saying it's skyrocketing, it's on the rise, alarming rates. Like, it's 1998. Really? I knew one girl in high school that was pregnant. One. I believe that was my, was that my junior or senior year of high school? One of them. I got some southern hymnlets. Oh, in my day, kids weren't allowed to have babies in 6th and 7th and 8th grade. Like, what? Weren't allowed? Chastity belts? I know it's frowned upon, but kids are going to have sex. They're going to find a way to have sex. You can't technically prevent it from happening. I'm going to play this clip of Tina just being a bitch. I don't care if it's her 15th birthday. Come on, girl. Really? And this whole news radio pregnancy topic as... Evie is dropping Tina off at school is all like, oh, is there someone that you know that's sexually active like you or you know, uh she says, has any, yo, you or anyone you know been sexually active? She's getting out of the car to go to school and you want to drop that bomb? So she just kind of looks at her mom nods her head like "Uh," and leaves. Why would you broach the subject when you're approaching her? She's getting out of the car. And you're asking that question. That is a question you have when you have time to have a discussion about it. Not like as she's opening the door and stepping out. Oh, honey, that is really cute. But aren't you supposed to tuck it in? If I can't wear it the way I want to, you can have it back. Topic this morning, teenage pregnancy reaching epic proportions. Shirley from Beaverton, you're on. Uh, Good morning, Larry. Uh, You know, I just wanted to say that in my day, children were not allowed to have babies in the 7th and 8th grade. What would happen to them if they did get pregnant, Shirley? Well, that's just my point. They never did. I mean, maybe there was one girl, but she was already in the 12th grade and got a really bad reputation on account... Teen... Have you or anybody you know, or you, been sexually active? Yeah, she nods again. Oh. <laughs> so, Evie's got, like, let's find out how young you were when you first had sex. Because she's asking, I think her name is Ellen, the co-worker. And of course, Ellen was like 20 when she had. I was 21, so. <laughs> Again, with the whole religious aspect thing, it's all about, like, oh, I don't know if Tina just admitted to having sex herself or whether she just knows girls that do. Now, the friends I had were not sexually active when we were in junior high, when we were in high school, because those were just the friends that I had. We weren't, none of us were doing any of that. None of us had boyfriends either. (laughs) But clearly, the kids outside of my classroom in other classes clearly were. When I was in 8th grade, 
um, or a regular uh, social studies class. This one girl, I swear, she was talking in code about giving a guy a blowjob. This is a 14-year-old girl in 8th grade social studies class referring to, you know, giving a guy a blowjob. And this girl, mind you, had braces. I can only imagine how painful that would be for the guy. (laughs) She said it was like something about tasting salty or something. So, and Ellen's all like, what, you're surprised? And apparently Evie is. She's like, oh, well, I just thought that guys, like, stuck their tongues down girls' throats and put their hands up their shirts or something like that. Not, like, having actual intercourse. Okay, I don't think the teens were calling it making love. That's what adults that have been married for years call sex. I just call it sex. I don't refer to it as making love. It depends on the couple, apparently how they refer to their sexy times. Everyone's got a word for it. And Ellen is like, what the heck? Um, Where have you been? What century are you living in? Remember my daughter, Lori, with the two-year-old? But in Evie's case, she's like, oh, well, Lori was 17 and a lot more mature. She's still a teenager? I'm sorry, but you don't have a case here. Oh, they're kind of arguing about Lori's potential. Lori's got a potential to go places with her life. You know, more than taking a couple classes in college and working a part-time job. And Evie's like, well, Tina is selfish. She's immature. She does horrible in school. We don't need her getting knocked up because she will just throw her future away. So clearly both of them are on the dividing line of teen pregnancy. Well, it seems like Evie wants to be in denial about the whole thing. Like, pretend it doesn't exist. Now we get into the topic of abortion. As Ellen's saying, if Lori hadn't had the baby, you know, she could be, like, going full-time to college and not working. And Evie's like, oh my gosh, how can you say that? That's murder. Who says she was talking about abortion? What if she meant, like, I don't know, adoption or something? Dang! You didn't see that Amy is a bit like Tina with the lashing out at people. Apparently, it is, uh, Ellen is on the uh, pro-choice and Evie's on the pro-life. Okay. Dividing lines. Dividing lines. So, Lori drives Tina to the Silver Springs Falls Teen Counseling Center probably to get uh, her uh, teen pregnancy tests or pregnancy test just to make sure she's not pregnant. If you missed a month, would you be spotting the next? See, I don't know this stuff. Suppose I could look it up on the internet if I really wanted to know how, you know, missing your period and pregnancy and whether you spot the next month, you know, how all that works out. But So, Lori is changing Allison's diaper and She's putting her right on the carpet there. Like, there's no special mat to keep the baby's poo from getting on their carpet. It's just like a community run, probably based on donations type of teen health center. So, I don't think they really would care. And, of course, there's playing a commercial about kids petting horses. And this is where, you know, Lori's all like, oh. I didn't remember, you know, get like a bunch. Tina, of course, is commenting on, oh, does uh, your baby go that much? Uh, baby, she's a toddler. Like, does she always go that much? And of course, Lori's like, geez, it's just poop. It's like, gosh, what does she eat? And she's saying how 
you know, her two-year-old gets, like, applesauce pureed vegetables. And she, apparently she's still giving the baby breast milk at two. I don't know. I don't know what the cutoff age is for that. But it's not like, oof. I mean, <laughs> I changed some diapers in my day with my nephews and nieces and stuff like that. And just like, ugh. The commercial's like, oh, what a beautiful life as we see a man put his kid on a horse. And Lori's like, yeah, it's a big crock. I didn't get a a guy and a horse and a flowers or any of that stuff. Uh-huh. Tina's called back to, you know, take a pregnancy test. Definitely Tina is very immature. Lori's like, you have to tell him. And she's like, no, raise MIA. Couldn't, I called like three times. He didn't pick up. He didn't, he's pretty much gone. He just disappeared. And she's like, every thought I had since July was about me and him. It's like, Ugh, please. Alright, looks like Tina is going to reveal that she is pregnant to her mother. Where are the girls? What's all the mystery? It's five weeks since I haven't even seen Lori. And all of a sudden she and Tina have to cook this dinner. Oh, my mother, Becca! Oh, here comes precious angel. She looks wonderful, honey. But isn't her ribbon too tight? Look, stop fussing with her, Jane. It's pulling her hair. <laughs> Look, leave her alone. I know how to dress my own baby. You better start talking. I can't take much more of this. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> We're in real trouble now. You better get over here. just comes in there because her mother comes over to I'm guessing that's Lori's house and saying like oh what's the main mystery here and Tina comes out and is like I'm pregnant and we just see the camera kind of pull out from the house and you just see the picture window with the Christmas tree and it looks like Evie is about ready to just faint luckily Jane is behind her supporting her we have Kel coming over because Evie's on the phone like hey you gotta come over we're in big trouble and right away you see Tina crying and then she sees her dad runs to him cries like I'm sorry daddy I'm sorry I let you down he's like don't worry about it it's going to be okay I'm gonna stand by you you're still my little girl and that's pretty much this scene so Tina's now hanging out with Lori she's wearing overalls She's like, hey, I got my astronomy book so we can look up the baby's sign. I'm going to play this clip where Lori brings up the whole abortion. Like, oh, did you tell Ray yet? You know you don't have to have the baby. And Tina just goes off on her. Like, oh my gosh, that's murder. How could you say something like that? Like, girl, calm down. Because Lori's like, we got to be quiet because the baby's asleep. And if we wake her up. My astrology book to look up the baby's sign. 
cancer, I think. She's sleeping. We have to be quiet. <laughs> what am I gonna do? You didn't tell Ray yet? You don't have to have it. I would never do that! I think that's the most horrible, wrong, gross thing you can okay, do! Okay, just stop shouting, because if she wakes up, we're finished. Totally. You could give the baby up for adoption. Why didn't you? I'm not really sure. I wish I had never slept with Ray. When I think of, like, how it was, I mean, everybody must be lying about it, because I thought it hurt a whole lot. He kind of pushed me into it, but I totally wanted to, partly just to get it over with. Will I have to give up soccer? <laughs> yeah, Tina's just like, oh my gosh, that's the horrible, most disgusting thing ever you could have said. And of course, Lori's like, well, you could give the baby up for adoption, and... Tina throws that back in her face. Well, why didn't you give your baby up for adoption? Of course the baby starts crying. And Tina's talking about how she wished she'd never slept with Ray and how people must be lying because the first time, like, it hurt like hell. Like, it probably is gonna hurt the first time. Anyone that says it gets a... the most amazing magical thing and unicorns and flowers and all that shit is fucking lying to your face. And, of course, Tina's reason, which there probably are some girls out there that just have sex just to lose their virginity and to get it over with. Because they say, you know, the first time it always hurts a little, the next time's not nearly as bad, and then, you know. Of course, like I said, there's a Christmas tree, so it's right around Christmas time. Tina is wrapping gifts. And we get Adam doing his, alrighty then, like you fucked up big time. Tina, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to set an example because you're the oldest child. He's 12 and he's like calling her out. I know you shouldn't have gotten pregnant. Great. Both of them. I think both he and Rachel are all jumping in on Tina. Like calling her out for getting pregnant. Like you. I'm surprised you didn't call her like a slut or a hoe. Punch that kid in the face. He's just. He annoys me. With his alrighty then Jim Carrey and imp- I hate that. Every other line out of his damn face is alrighty then. I'm like, I don't care what you say. What'd you say? I said still planning on seeing your solo in church tonight. Things aren't bad enough around here without you messing up. You're not exactly the top of the food chain. Alrighty then. Why don't you move into some unwed mother's home or something? Then I can move back from dad's and take over yours. <laughs> family is the worst. Those siblings are fucking pains in the asses, I swear. They're all like, oh my gosh, maybe you shouldn't sing your solo at church because you had sex and you're not married and now you have a bastard baby. Even Rachel's like, oh my gosh, I won't even be able to show my face around school because of your scandal. Like, it's got nothing to do with you. And Adam's like, why don't you move into an unwed mother's home so I can move back home and take your room? Like, what? These kids are selfish little butts. Like, how are we going to face our friends and the community and whatever? 
get the love me, please me. Like, ugh, the song plays for the damn movie and places doesn't necessarily. I mean, I give it the first time fine because it was the beginning of the movie and it was like a sexy scene. But they're just throwing it in wherever they can put it. So Tina grabs, looking for a brush up on the floor. She grabs her stuffed animal, crouches on the floor of her bedroom, and prays to God saying, I'm sorry I sinned. Don't send me to hell. So her mother knocks on the door like, hey, are you coming down for lunch? And Tina's like, no, I can't. I can't sing tonight at church. Just tell them I have the flu or something. So she doesn't want to go to church because she sinned and she thinks like she's going to burn as soon as she walks through the doors of the church. And just everyone's accusing eyes. Oh, I always figure that Tina girl. <laughs> something like that. And of course... Evie's like, oh, well, I don't want you in the house by yourself. And Tina's like, well, then you'll have to hire a sitter for me and my unborn baby. So Evie's sitting next to Tina on the bed saying, you know, when you were a baby, when you were on the playground, I could always tell you cry from every other kid on the playground. And she's like, how could, how did this happen? How did you get kissed? And I didn't even know it because it's like they don't talk to each other. She's a teenager. She's not going to tell you every little bit in history. Tina just breaks down like I didn't do this to hurt you it's like there's so much guilt thrown upon this girl just based on her wanting to live up to her parents expectations and now she feels like you know I disappointed you don't hate me I'm sorry and then of course there's the religious aspect and just her siblings it's just it's like beat uh, emotionally beat down on Tina because she got knocked up is this Christmas right now? Because we're hearing Christmas music and then Adam running down the stairs with this model airplane. Like, Mom, look what I got! And he flies the thing into the kitchen. It's like, it riles up the dog. Now we got Adam and Rachel fighting over the TV. I'm like, I want to listen to my piano. my piano. Listen to Christmas music. And I want to watch the game. And it's just like, no, spank you. Stop with a Jim Carrey already. Kid, you're not Jim Carrey. You're not even a... Na- an ounce of Jim Carrey. You're not funny. Every little bit of Jim Carrey that comes out of your mouth makes me just dislike you that much more. So apparently the grandma's on the phone and Tina's shouting from upstairs, Don't tell her, Mom! Don't tell her that I'm pregnant! Like, what in the what? Because if you thought this family was religious, oh, old grandma here, I don't know whose parent she is, whether she's, you know, Tina's dad's mother or I think she's Tina's dad's mother. She is, like, as religious as they come. Looks like uh, Tina's gonna puke and she might miss that toilet. And the family sit down to... The food looks amazing. Turkey, uh, mashed potatoes, gravy. Of course, Tina's pregnant. She's got... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Nausea. um, Morning sick... Well, it's not morning. It's, like, evening. And I'm pretty sure, like, you just throw up whenever, not just in the morning. And she just sits down and right away she covers and she runs upstairs like, we can't even eat dinner without you puking. So, Evie's like, Rachel, go upstairs and check on your sister. And (laughs) Rachel's response like, I don't want to. I'm hungry. There's a knock at the door. Of course, it's Ray. And I'm like, dude, you got some fucking balls to just show up on Christmas Day when you've been MIA for weeks surprised that Evie even left him standing on that doorstep that she didn't, like, strangle him. Merry Christmas, Miss Bangler. Who the fuck is Ray Wood. How you doing? 
Yeah. How am I doing? Is uh, Tina here? We are having Christmas dinner. You can come back and see Tina tomorrow. <laughs> Who was at the door? Your friend Ray. Your friend Ray. I told him to come back tomorrow. How could you? Tomorrow. You had no right under the circumstances I have every right. Ray! Ray! Still trying. So after Abby slams the door in Ray's face, Tina is on the stairs, like, who was that? And her mother's like, your friend Ray. <laughs> I told him you could he could come back tomorrow. And Tina just unloads. Like, how dare you? You had no right to do that. And Evie's like, uh, I think I had every right. Like, this is my house. Tina, like, pushes past her mom, opens the door as Ray is taking off in his car. Like, Ray! Ray! And now we're going to get to Jane and Evie exercising and, and talking about their kids and pregnancies and this and that. Yeah, they're kind of trying to figure out why are their young daughters getting pregnant. And, of course, Jane says that Lori's father died when she was eight. She figures it's kind of from not having a man around, if you want to call it like a daddy complex or whatever. Um, of course, Evie's like, with Tina going to church and everything and you know, sex ed classes, and you'd think she'd know more about safety, and also, you know, premarital sex is a sin, so there's that as well. Apparently, um, that didn't stop her from having sex, but it did stop her from using protection. What the hell kind of place are they exercising in? It looks so run down. You see, like, insulation and what looks like aluminum foil wrapped around a vent. And just wires sticking out of the walls. We see other, this must be, like, the counties, like, oh, you can work for the city, and this is our city employee gym. It just looks like a hole-in-the-wall place. <laughs> so Jane says, you know, it uh, seems like Tina's got such a good, you know, relationship with her dad, and Abby's like, yeah, I mean, Cal came over, and he just, you know, let, you know, he's caring and understanding and supportive, and... Just it seems like this working out thing is just taking up a lot of time in the movie, eating up a lot of time basically. And Cal even suggested adoption for Tina's baby. And I guess Evie doesn't like that idea, like the idea of, you know, her grandchild being raised by strangers. And Evie is just at a crossroads with how to handle this situation with Tina. She's like, part of me wants to hug her and comfort her, and the other part of me just really wants her to suffer for her consequences. Oh my god. <laughs> Again, the talk of abortion comes up, and Evie is just like putting a hand like, no, we're not getting into that anymore. She's talking about how her parents, you know, her, she wanted her marriage to be different from her parents, you know, hugging and kissing. She probably grew up in, you know, with a family that wasn't all about hugging and kissing and all that s stuff. And, of course, she talks about how she saw Cal in the, on that tractor and his overalls and his cute butt and how that was it for me. I was like, eh, over the moon. He was a farmer? <laughs> really? He was a farmer? Okay. I don't look.
look at Cal and see Farmer, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we got Rachel at the mall with her friend. I think her name is like Holly or something. And Holly's just filling Rachel's head with all these statistics. Like, oh, teenage girls die in childbirth. Like a good percentage of them. Like, I don't think that's where... Uh, you know that Rachel's going to use this information on Tina when she gets home. 20% apparently of young teen mothers die during childbirth. So 80% of them live. All right. It's just teenage girls like throwing out information and it's like, oh yeah, they keep it a secret because otherwise people wouldn't get pregnant and have babies. And Rachel's like, oh, that's good. Uh, we have enough people in the world as it is. It'd be great if it was just, like, me and, like, my dog. Or just people and dogs. So, of course, now we also get the whole, um, divorce scenario. Uh, Holly talks about a friend of hers that spends Christmas Eve with her mom, Christmas Day with her dad. Because she's like, Rachel, how do you spend Christmas? She's like, oh, I spend it at my mom's house. I mean, I mainly spent it with Angus, my dog, who I love dearly. It's adorable golden retriever. There's a picture in Rachel's room. She's lying in bed feeding Angus gingerbread cookies. And there's a picture of Rachel with her grandma on her nightstand. Adorable. I love the dog. Angus has got like the hair on the ears. It almost looks like it's kind of crimped. <laughs> that dog, one eye is bigger than the other eye. It's just. I don't know, but she, did she just feed him, like, a whole arm of a gingerbread? Because that is a lot of gingerbread. I don't know. Dogs can have that stuff, right? I mean, I'm sure it's not good for them, but. I, I love her relationship with the dog. She loves the dog more than anybody in that family. And I think, like, the dog loves Rachel more than anyone in that family. Abby comes home, looks like maybe she got some groceries, or she just picks some stuff up at the store. She sees Rachel sitting in the entryway of the house. She's got a bag packed. Angus is there. And Abby's like, where are you going? And Rachel barely even looks at her mother like, to live with that, to, to live with dad. And Abby just... Shuts the door and just slides down to the floor like, I don't know what to do anymore. My husband cheated on me. My kids hate me. Now they want to live with their father. First Adam, now Rachel. It's just like... So Abby tells Rachel, it's like, you can't just run away from this. You've got to accept it. And Rachel's like, I don't want to accept it. I don't want to live in the middle of this mess. So... This is just insane that the siblings are all like, oh, you screwed up, Tina, by getting pregnant. You brought shame on this family. It's like, is that how siblings act when a, their sibling gets pregnant? When they're like, you'd think the siblings would maybe try to rally around th their pregnant sibling or whatever. I mean, this is, everyone's, Adam and... Rachel are all basically out for themselves, like, I don't want to be in the middle of this mess. I'm tired of Rachel's judgmental, bitchy attitude. Because Evie's like, that is not the way sisters behave in good families. And Rachel fires back with, good families don't have pregnant 15-year-olds. So are you blaming your mother for your sister getting pregnant? Or the fact that your parents are divorced or separated for getting pregnant? Come on, kid. Open your damned eyes. So, Cal comes in. 
Ray's just like, I'm ready to go. And he just looks at her like, you clearly didn't talk to your mother about this. And he has her wait on the porch while he and Abby talk about the situation with Rachel and also with Tina being pregnant and just their thoughts on the whole matter. Like, how are we going to get through this? <laughs> Rachel came up with this idea herself. And that lets you completely off the hook? It's just really about Rachel and I mm-hmm. don't you think we need to talk? <laughs> what, what are we doing here? About what? About what? About Tina? Us? What? Pick one. I don't want to talk about either. I don't think I have the strength. Well, I do. Now, now what's this boy prepared to do? <laughs> He's 16. What's he going to do? Take her away on his skateboard? Maybe we should try his parents. By the look of him, I don't think he has any parents. I checked records down at work, county records. He lives with his mother and two younger brothers out by the old mill on 16. Is Tina really sure she wants to keep this baby? Tina is 15. She is hardly capable of making major life decisions. Looks to me like she already made one. Now, why don't don't you talk to her about adoption? I cannot believe we disagree on this. I could not have one of my children or grandchildren being raised out there in the world by total strangers. Well, just who would you have in mind? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Well, you and Tina could probably raise this child on your own. If you're going to do that, would you at least consider letting me help? No. (laughs) Don't even ask me that yet. I don't know if we'll ever be together. She moved away. Leanne did. Before Christmas, she uh, went to Tucson. She's got family there. I just heard about it at Denny's. Apparently she and Cal differ on um, adoption. Abby doesn't want to... I like the idea of a, a, her child or grandchild being raised by strangers, which it's... Yeah. Cal even asks about, like... The baby daddy, Ray. Like, what's the situation there? Have you tried talking to his parents? And he's like, I don't by the looks of the kid, I don't even think he's got parents. But she did some research, looked into it. Um, he's got a single mother. Who knows where the hell his father is? And he's got two little brothers, and he lives out by Old Mill Road or something to that effect. And he's like, hey, if you and Tina want to raise this baby, I could help you out. And she's like, no, we're not going to be together again. Don't even think about it. I don't think he meant, like, live with you and help you. I think he meant financially. Of course, no one's asking Tina what she wants to do in this regard. We know she doesn't want to have an abortion. And I don't believe she wants to put the baby up for adoption. Of course, now we cut to Lori, who's dropping off her baby in daycare. Well, baby, it's a toddler. And I honestly think that this kid, who they got to play her daughter, it's like, this kid is not ready to be... She is just crying all the time. I want my mommy. Probably her her real mommy, her not her... The girl who's playing her mommy on screen, but her actual mommy. And everyone's just looking at this kid like, oh, God, take her, take her. We don't want her here. This daycare. So in the car with Lori and Tina, Lori's complaining about the fact that 
she hates Mondays with her three classes, working at the mall for six hours, and that her baby is at the daycare till seven o'clock at night. Oh my good golly, that is not a life for a child. And she just says how she's flipping out on her kid, and it's not fair to her child that she even, to get something for herself, she'll get Allie some cheap diapers so she can get some makeup. And Tina's all like, oh, I hope I'm as good a mother as you are. And it's just like, kids aren't cheap. And when they need something, you have to get it for them. And Tina, this is basically just going over her head. She ain't a, she's just uh, covering up what uh, forehead zits she's got with some concealer. So apparently if she gets sick, of course Lori's got to miss school and work. She's already got a couple incompletes in her classes at college. She needs to keep her grades up, of course, because she wants to get a scholarship and get out of this small town that they live in. Yeah, she wants to become an art historian. Okay, cool, cool. She wants to study in Paris. Well, with the kid, I don't know how that's going to work. Of course, it looks like she's dropping Tina off at Ray's shows so she can break the news to him. Because I don't even think he knows she's pregnant at this point. don't expect much. He's just a guy. You don't know how he's going to handle the news that you're pregnant. And she says how she used to bike out to his house, but of course now that she's pregnant, she doesn't even look pregnant. But she's just so ashamed of how her body looks. That she's like, oh, that's why I don't ride a bike anymore, because of my condition. <laughs> so we hear, like, Ray's mother yelling at her kids. Ray comes out onto the porch, sees Tina there, and he's like, hey, I called on, I saw you at Christmas time. She's like, yeah, that was ten days ago. And he's like, oh, yeah, I heard about the kid. You mean the child that you um, created with your sperm? Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're not mad? He's like, oh, I ain't doing anything with my life. We may as well have a kid. He's talking about, oh, we can all grow up together, the three of us, and we can take him to the park since we won't be old parents, and we can go on the same rides at the fair and grow up together. And she starts kissing him. He's like, hey, I didn't say anything like we were going to get married. And he's saying, like, oh, I'm going to be a better father than my dad. <laughs> That's bullshit, if I ever heard popping out of someone's mouth. So, 
now we're in the locker room. The girls are all getting ready to uh, play soccer. Tina's putting on her uh, long soccer socks. <laughs> and, of course, this one girl's like, Oh, my gosh, Tina, we found out you're pregnant. Are your parents going to let you keep it? Oh, my gosh. No, this is prior, much prior to the reality show Teen Mom and other TV movies with teenagers getting pregnant and stuff like that. We do see another girl we will later learn that is also pregnant. I'm guessing that's also on Tina's soccer team. Sadly, she gets um, a soccer ball kicked right into her stomach, which isn't good because she's carrying a baby. She goes down. Her dad comes in. Oh, honey, are you okay? And... You know, we want to make sure that that baby's okay as well. Like, you might want to get her checked out by a doctor. Because she did take a soccer ball to the stomach. So, apparently, Tina's getting kicked out of school because she's pregnant? How in the world? Is this one of those religious schools that kick you out because you get pregnant? Because this principal, if that's even who this is, is telling Cal, well... Tina never it worked up to her potential, and we really expected more from her. Well, if she didn't ex really work up to her potential, how can you expect more from her? She's a teenager. Kale's like, what are you doing here? Are you saying that she can't go to school anymore because she's pregnant? So apparently she's being transferred to an unwed mother's school. And like, oh, she uh, will transfer her over there immediately if she applies herself. And if she, maybe she'll finish, she can go on to other things. And of course, he's like, no, she's going to graduate from high school and college too. This, whatever, what is she, a principal? She is so judgmental. This has got to be one of those religious schools in the 90s because this is insane. I knew a pregnant girl in my high school. It was a public high school. She didn't get kicked out. She didn't get sent to an unwed mother's school. He's blaming the school. Like, did you ever think that you're making it too easy for these kids to have babies? And, of course, the lady shoots back with, well, what about you? You're her father. What example are you setting for her? All right, enough with the blame game about how and why Tina got pregnant. She got pregnant of her own accord. It's not the school's fault. It's not the parents' fault. Just relax. This lady is so out of line. I want to slap her across the face. She, what are you teaching her? You're her father. Because he's like, maybe you should have a class about how to parent a child instead of what happens between a sperm and an egg. So he takes Tina in to get checked out. I gotta play this clip because he's like trying to be so discreet that the receptionist has to ask him to speak up. When she asks for the age, he gives his own age. And then, of course, he's at, she is asking for Tina, the, date of P, T, the, the date of Tina's last period. What father knows the date of his daughter's last period, let alone when she originally... I'm sorry, but that is information. I don't think... <laughs> I don't need to know. That's a kid's responsibility to know the date in their last period. Mark it on a calendar. That's what I do. That way I know when it's going to happen so I can be prepared. <coughs> I can't hear you. Would you please speak up? <laughs> My daughter, Tina Spangler, is here to see Dr. Ross. The, the teen center called? Age? 46. Tina's age. Oh, 15. 
date of her last period. <laughs> oh. oh. Hey, Tina, I haven't done anything yet. Oh. I thought you did. Would you like your parents to wait outside? Yeah, can they? I'll wait outside. I'll let you know this time. Don't be mad, Mom, but it would be better if you left him. Yeah. She's just 15. It's fine. <laughs> they were beginning to make me nervous. Would you like to hear your baby's heartbeat? <coughs> I got to call the counseling center when I didn't reach you. I didn't know what to do. Should I take her to Doc Carlson? I'm ashamed to take her there. Thanks. Foreman seems fine. Do you think our health plan will cover Tina? If they turn us down, I, I guess we'll just you know, have to dip into our savings. Tina's college fund? Oh, I, uh, I met Miss Crawley. She said Tina has to start the Teen Mothers program. She doesn't have a choice. So, turns out... The parents gotta leave. I mean, they don't have to, but it'd probably be better if they did while Tina's being examined. And of course, Evie's like, but she's only 15! It's like, Mom, please, can you just wait outside? And I like how the doctor's like, you know, they're making me nervous, too, for a little bit. So we go with um, Cal and Evie, and they're just, uh, he's telling her what the principal said. Tina has no choice. She has to um transfer over to the unwed mother's program and also they're a little worried like will our insurance cover this because evie's ashamed to take her to the regular doctor that's probably been seeing the girls since they were like babies like i'm ashamed to take her there i don't want to and he's like well this doctor seems fine and they're really worried like do you think the insurance is going to cover this and he's like well if it doesn't then we'll just have to dip into our savings which you know call us uh, Tina's college fund and everything. It's like it's understandable, but the we gotta we gotta focus on what's important, and that is getting Tina through her pregnancy. College is another another matter entirely. Let's just get her through the pregnancy with her baby and everything like that. Um, now Abby is taking Tina to. It's a trailer with. A bunch of other unwed mothers, one of which is the girl that's also on Tina's soccer team. Evie, I know you want to help Tina out, but you telling these stories about, oh, when I was in high school, this when I was a senior, this girl like got pregnant in her senior year and she just vanished. She's talking about how getting pregnant in high school and everything as a teenager is just the most shameful thing that no one talks about it. No one dare ask what happened to this girl. She just vanished off the face of the earth. Tina's like, this isn't normal school. They're trying to hide us by putting us in this trailer. It's like if our bellies didn't stick out, no one would know we were even pregnant and we'd still be at our regular school. And he's like, I was just trying to tell you how it used to be. It's like, she doesn't need to hear that. Are you supposed to, are you trying to be sympathetic? Are you trying to give her your own perspective because you're not a teen mother? You don't really know what she's going through. I get it. You're trying to help. Tina has nothing in that backpack. So basically, we got this teacher here who's just saying, not only with your coursework that we're going to focus on, but we're going to be exploring 
exploring what's happening with your bodies, how they're changing, not to mention um, how your pregnancy is affecting your everyday life, the everyday life of your family. And we're all kind of a tight-knit group here that support each other. So it seems like all these girls, you see them walking off with their prospective baby daddies. The girl goes up to Tina, and Tina's like, oh, do I know you? It's like, yeah, we're on the same soccer team. Oh, she's a sub on her soccer team. All right. But Tina's like, hey, how are your parents taking your pregnancy? And the girl's like, well, it's just me and my mom, and she's not taking it at all. She kicked me out. And Tina's like, wow, that makes my mom sound like a saint. That's really nice that uh, the girl's friend's mother is letting her st uh, stay with the until the baby's born, so that's really awesome. None of these girls really are showing that much. Of course, here comes the girl's boyfriend. So, Tina looks on at, you know, this girl with her boyfriend, and then we cut to Tina and Ray. They're talking about what they think the sex of the baby might be. Tina's hoping for a girl. Ray's like, oh, my family's all boys, so, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I still hope it's a little girl. He's like, oh, it won't be a little anything. My old lady's babies were like 10 and not, 9 and 10 pounds. And you just see Abby just glaring daggers at Ray as she shuts the door. Because apparently he's going to be coming with to this uh, seminar on what's happening with your bodies and your baby's daily, weekly, monthly growth developments. Well, my family's all boys. Mm, I still hope it's a little girl. It won't be a little anything. My old Time for kissing is over. If I crack the window, can I smoke? No. <laughs> grossed out. Okay, it's a vagina. Is a head on view of the vulva or the outer reproductive See, that's where you put your penis in, right? I swear to God, Jane, when he walked behind my van, I wanted to run over him. Should have put it in reverse. 
I really considered it. <laughs> and the way Tina looks at him makes me sick. Oh yeah, Ray is really getting in Evie's craw. Just the fact that he's like, hey, do you want me to drive? She's like, no. Hey, if I crack the window open, can I smoke? No. So we get to this teen pregnancy uh, seminar, and the lady's just telling the girls about their bodies, how they're going to change, what to expect. She opens... The discussion up for questions, one of which is, oh, I heard you sometimes poop when you deliver. And, of course, this gets a bit of a laugh. We see Ray chomping on a powdered donut, and he uh, snagged a two-liter of orange soda, which he is just downing, like, by the mouthful. We do get a couple slides on the projector there of a uh, side view of the re reproductive system, the organs. Then we get a full-on shot of the opening of a vagina. Mind you, it's just a diagram of it. But you just see the guys are all, like, really squeamish. Ray even takes his arm from around Tina, and he's just like, ugh. I'm like, you put your penis in, in a vagina. You probably didn't get a good look at it. But it's like, dude, why are you grossed out? <laughs> if you're going to do the deed, you need to get up close and personal. You shouldn't be shying away from diagrams of vaginas. It's not like a, a spread of a, a Playboy magazine that's got the girl, like, spreading herself down there. I mean, damn. I think because it's not sexy and it's not that, it's just a diagram labeling like words of what part is of the vagina there. I don't know. <laughs> but you should see the laughter of the girls. They're just laughing at their boyfriends like, I can't believe they're so grossed out. And Evie, of course, in the next scene is on the phone with Jane just saying how she wanted to run over, she wanted to back over Ray with her car. So it looks like, of course with Tina going to be expanding in the belly area with the baby growing, we need to hit up the baby shop. We got to get some maternity clothes. Like, where can I find the most hippest maternity clothes? So they decide to hit the Emporium at the mall, uh, Jane's suggestion, to kind of see what they got. And, of course, they're looking at cute baby things, and it's a cute little montage. And, of course, we got to get another story from Evie about how, back in my day, my grandma from the Appalachians just gave birth in a field and went back to work and that's how it was back in the day it's like and tina's like i don't care about aunt mabel or aunt virginia i'm i don't need to hear any more stories about our family from the appalachian hills why is she talking about her great aunt virginia born in 1902 was a forest ranger and it's like oh she lived a very adventurous life up in them foothills so apparently, oh, Great Aunt Virginia is the uh, childless one, the virgin. Tina is very, she is overstepping big time. All Evie's trying to do is point out that Tina can be whoever she wants to be. And she can't like, well, all I want to be is a good mother who will make her husband happy. It's, it's like she's throwing this back in her mom's face like it's your fault that dad ran off and cheated on you. Like, Excuse me, girl? I'm gonna slap you across the face. You don't talk to your mother that way! I mean, 
she lived all alone in the Appalachian Mountains, fighting off the elements, staving off bears. She lived quite an adventurous, excuse me, adventurous life. Everyone in your family always refers to her as poor Aunt Virginia, a childless one, the virgin. You miss my point. You can grow up to be anything you want. I just want to be a good wife and mother and make my husband happy. Look at this stuff. It's disgusting. Well, I thought that's why you wanted me to bring you here to buy maternity clothes. Are you crazy? It's bad enough being pregnant without having to look like a total loser. Well, you should have thought of that before you had sex. That's true. You should have. <laughs> Tina is a big fucking brat. She's like looking at the clothes like, oh, these clothes are so ugly. I don't want to wear these. Ew, I'm going to be a total loser. It's bad enough being fat and I got to look ugly too. And of course her mother's like, I thought you wanted me to bring you down here to buy maternity clothes. And Tina's like, yeah, but I don't want to look like a total loser. It's bad enough being fat and I got to look ugly too. And of course her mother's like, well, you know what? You should have thought of that before you had sex. And now we're cutting to Tina complaining to Lori about, oh my gosh, you should have seen the maternity clothes my mom wanted me to wear. Ew, so gross. And even Lori's had enough of Tina's bitch-ass attitude. She can tell that Tina's not ready to be a mother with her selfishness and just her, poor me, I'm going to look so fat when I have my baby. Like, I'm not going to be able to get off this baby weight. i got to wear ugly maternity clothes. Ew. You should have seen the stuff she thought I should wear. The only maternity clothes I need are three pairs of overalls. <laughs> such a bad mood. Uh, bitch, check your attitude at the door. <laughs> He's all like, oh my gosh, Ray said that he was gonna marry me after the baby's born. Yeah, and Lori's like, yeah, that's what her boyfriend Woody said. The same damn thing, and yeah. And also, Tina's just complaining one thing after another. Why does being pregnant give you pimples? Make you constipated, gassy, and all this stuff, and just on and on and on. And Lori is just like, Ugh. I can tell she just wants to get up from that table and walk away. And, Laura, and and Tina's all like, I wish Ray would clean up his app. I'm not drinking or smoking or anything. I wish my mom would be happy with the fact that I'm not doing any of that stuff. She didn't even think I was doing any of that before. Like, Ugh. 
It's all about Tina, 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 Tina. No one else can have a say in anything. No one else can say that they're having a bad day because Tina's going to, like, no. It's all about me, all about me, and me being feeling fat, feeling ugly, feeling, like, sick, throwing up in the shower when I'm brushing my teeth and blah, blah. Like, Ugh. And the fact that she even says, like, oh, half the girls in my class will think they have pizza faces with all their pimples. And Lori's like, well, I just lost my appetite as she puts her slice of pizza down. This girl is taking time out on her break to have lunch with Tina, her friend. This relationship just seems so damn one-sided. I'm sorry. This friendship does. The reason that Lori is just in a bad mood, it doesn't even seem like she really is. She's just tired of listening to Tina bitch and complain. It's because her daughter, Allison, has been up all night with an ear infection. I can't even imagine staying up all night with a child. I mean, you do that because you love your baby and you want to comfort them and, and make them feel better. So, all right, now it looks like we're going to find out what the sex of the baby is. Little baby. You want to know the gender? Sure. Are you sure you really want to know? <laughs> well, if she's okay. keeping it, then why not? It's a big, strong, healthy boy. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Ross. I just love guys. <laughs> yeah, we see that. That's why you're in this situation. You love guys. <laughs> Who's this carrot top bitch that Ray is picking up? Ew. Looks <laughs> like Ray has found his next, uh... Baby mama. <laughs> As we see him pick up this red-headed, curly-haired girl. Like, ay 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 ay. So, it looks like Tina's already told Ray that the baby is a boy. Like, oh, he started a new job. He'll be here later tonight. Turns out the girl who was on Tina's soccer team is upset because her boyfriend dumped her. Well, he took one look at that vagina diagram and said, I'm out. So, Evie and Tina are going back to a, another teen pregnancy seminar where there's a speaker there, a girl who's probably about 18, 17 years old, at the, and she's got a four-month-old baby, and the lady's like, oh, well, this, her story may be terrifying to all of you since all of you are going through what she went through, but her story needs to be told. So, of course... Tina's wondering why Ray hasn't shown up yet. And um, the, the teen mother speaker is talking about how she thought her and her boyfriend would get married. They'd have a little house with a Christmas tree. But unfortunately, he split. He wasn't there for when the baby was born. And yeah, pretty much probably what a lot of these teen girls are going through is probably their Baby daddies are MIA, just like Ray is. So, of course, this teen mother is saying maybe if their daughter had been a boy, he would have stuck around. And apparently, she, her baby daddy is a jock, an athlete. He plays basketball. He gets to sleep late, go to parties, not worry about being a parent. You think that that isn't eventually going to hit him down the road? It's almost like she's giving them a nightmare version of what it's like to be a parent from her eye view. Like, I spend my days changing diapers, filling bottles, washing nasty clothes, 
<laughs> of course, she says how her four-month-old daughter doesn't sleep when I want her to. She cries all the time. I beg her to go to sleep. She says how we're both always tired, and all she does is cry and cry and cry. She said, Half the time, she doesn't even know why her baby is crying. And she works two dead-end jobs just to pay $250 a month in daycare. Holy shit. So she's painting a hell of an ugly picture here for these girls that are about ready to eventually have their babies. Just This is just one person's perspective of what it's like being a teen mother. But I swear they brought this girl in as a scare tactic for just how bad it is. I mean, Tina sees that firsthand with Lori and her daughter. I mean... <laughs> The girl keeps smiling like she's trying to put up such a brave front. Like, I have no money, no social life, and I'm exhausted. So, of course, looks like Ray didn't show up at all, and now he's calling her. And I'd be kicking his ass if I were Tina. Where were you? You would, like, ask me that now? Where were you? He's like, are you sure that you've never dated before? So, Ray looks like he's just finding any excuse to back out of this. Or he's like, oh, how do I even know if the baby's mine? So-and-so says that I'm not the first guy that you dated. Dude, all you gotta do is do the fucking math. You are the baby daddy. Hey, maybe you can get this taken care of. She's like, it's way too late for that now. She's too far along. So he pretty much hangs up on her, just says, hey, if you're not having the abortion, and how do I know it's even mine, then goodbye. I really like those corduroy overalls. So Tina goes and lays on her bed and cries and just puts her hands on her stomach and just says, nobody wants you born but me. Aww. So it looks like uh, Cal's mother has come to disrupt the family and give her uh, two cents here. As she comes off the bus, she's got a basket that does have wheat in it. And Cal's like, what, they don't feed you on the bus? And she's like, oh, those fast food places don't have any real food. And she looks at Adam and says something about how he looks like he's taken after his grandfather. And of course... Rachel cannot hug her grandma fast enough. She is just like, Grandma! I mean, she's got a picture of her and her grandma on her nightstand of just the two of them. Okay, whose place is this? Because this sure as hell is not Evie's house. This house is too damn whitewallish. <laughs> I know he was staying with his dad. I'm guessing that the mom is staying with Cal as well. And she is making the most delicious looking donuts, of course, and putting powdered sugar on them. And he's like, oh my gosh, we can open up a shop in the mall and be rich. She's like, yeah, I could spend my days in the mall making donuts and then at night I could be counting the money. Apparently, it's a family recipe, these donuts. As she's using a brush to dab on butter and then put them and roll them in the powdered sugar. 
Oh, those look yummy. That's actually probably when they come right out of the deep fryer. So it seems like Grandma here just wants to lecture the hell out of everybody. Because she's like, oh, do you love your sister? And he's like, which one? And she's like, well, I'm talking about Tina. And he's like, I guess so. And then she's like, well, you better start acting like it. And you better start helping your mom up. You want to grow up to be a good man, don't you? And she's just really kind of saying how he's got to... Good men help their sisters and mothers. Not because they have to, but because it's the thing to do. So I think she's trying to set Adam straight. Like, enough with this Jim Carrey impressions. You need to treat your sister better. I think you need to let Rachel know she needs to be treating Tina. Well, I mean, we get it. Tina's a brat, and so is Rachel and Adam as well. But yeah, these kids definitely need a talking to from Granny. Granted, she's going to butt her damn nose in where she shouldn't, and she's going to find herself back on that Greyhound back to wherever the hell she came from. So it looks like Lori, either Lori or Jane had given some clothes to Tina, and she is just like, I look like a fat pig. Nothing fits anymore. At least I stopped puking. She does nothing but complain. It really makes it hard to sympathize at all with her. And Jane wants to throw... Tina a baby shower. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I'll invite everyone I know. I'll get everything my baby needs. And you just see Lori like, oh, God, that means I have to come. Ugh. Yeah, apparently, uh, Lori forbid her mother to throw her a baby shower, but hey. Why the hell is she defending Ray? Oh, he didn't show up to the last meeting. And Lori's like, you need to forget about Ray. And she's like, oh, he's just scared. That's all. He'll come around. Girl, get your head out of your ass. So Tina's like, oh, Ray probably already has a girlfriend anyway, for all I know. And Lori confirms that fact because she says she saw them together at the mall. And Tina's like, well, what'd she look like? <laughs> Lori's like, cheesy, really skinny. Ray is such a loser. So we got Evie and Jane just loving up on this grandchild. The girl seems to love them more than Lori. So like these actresses are just bundles of love. Like, oh, precious angel. <laughs> I, I love Park overall. I think she's great. So we get a lot of screen time eating up here with um, Evie vacuuming for a hot second, getting the laundry put up on the table to fold. And she just, when she and Jane were talking about you know, protecting Tina from Cal's mother's judgment and everything like that. Like, I mean, you may as well just let Cal handle his mother. He's not going to let her say shit to Tina. Of course, now we have a different doctor going over Tina's case here. And he's telling her how she has to gain more weight. And she's like, I'm fat out, so fat. Already, I'll never wear a swimsuit again. Girl, you're about to have a baby. Forget about the swimsuit. Um, yeah. Tina does not like the idea of having a different doctor. The guy didn't even let her know he was going back to Boston to train for the neonatal unit. And she's like, everyone keeps disappearing, Mom. I want Dr. Ross. And the guy isn't even looking at it. He's scrubbing up and everything. And he just does not have the best bedside manner. When it comes to being a doctor. <laughs> no feeling whatsoever. No. 
You can imagine once you find a doctor that you like who's overseeing your case, especially in a situation like this, as she's a teenager, she's very emotional, vulnerable and stuff, that having a new doctor and then having to go over everything again and just, especially when this guy has such a poor bedside manner, I mean, phew. I mean, there are people out there who are doctors who should be doctors, and there are doctors out there who maybe should find another profession. I mean, you don't necessarily need one that's going to hold your hand through everything, but still, especially when it comes to situations like, like this, you want someone who's going to have either some empathy or some feeling inside of them and not a heart of stone. This guy's a dick! He's like, just lay back and try to relax. I have a lot of patience waiting. Ugh, fuck you! So he pretty much tells her that just attend morning classes and then for the rest of the day you're going to rest on the couch. And apparently due to the growth of the placenta and her little weight gain, she is going to have to add some more pounds. I love how the doctor just rolls his eyes at this, like, start gaining more weight. She's like, I look fat enough already. I'll never wear a swimsuit again. I'll never go swimming. And he just rolls his eyes like, ugh, teenagers. So Abby picks up the phone and... Ray is calling Tina, bitching about the fact that none of the shower invitations got sent out to any of his relatives. I'm like, dude, you fucking split. So that means none of your relatives are going to be involved. How the hell did he even know she was having it? Well, she probably told him. She's like, why should I? He's like, it's my kid too. She's like, you dumped me. And he's like, well, my old lady's buying a stroller and a car seat and a swing thing and a blah, blah, blah. You just see Abby, like, with a cloth over the bottom of the phone receiver, just listening to Tina just melt, like, oh, Ray, that's so cool. Ugh. Of course, Granny's got to make her statements known, like, oh, my gosh, you're going to keep this baby? This baby's going to grow up with problems of, of its own and blah, blah. Really? The hell? <laughs> I'm happy I have a mother-in-law that I like. Can you imagine getting one that you don't like? Yeah. <laughs> but mine is really cool. We like the same stuff. We read the same books. We watch the same shows. We like the same movies. Yeah. I th oh my goodness. This lady. I want to get her out of the house. So she's basically like, you know this baby is Tina's not yours. And eventually you're going to have to realize that. And but like, what? what? And of course... Abby's like, oh, so you mean because I failed with Tina, I don't get to help raise this baby? Like, who's that's not even your say. Ugh, get her back on that Greyhound bus. So basically, they're just going to agree to disagree at this point. We see Tina at the mall spotting Ray making out with that old uh, carrot top frizzy hair. He jumps right in his shit right away. Tina runs up those stairs, and I'm just like, who is this girl? He definitely <laughs> downgraded from Tina, from Kirsten Dunst, to this person. So she's saying to Ray how much she hates him, how I would never want to see you again. And of course, that girl's all like, oh, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> she's like, uh, he'll get you pregnant too, and then he'll dump your ass like he did me. So he's telling her how his old lady is buying out the store for all this baby stuff. You're really going to hit it big with your baby shower and she goes to slap his hand away and he's like oh when you get so tough and she's just getting over you 
now of course grandma's gonna lay into her son. The fact that she was even like, oh, you need to save your marriage to Evie. It's like, she didn't cheat on her husband. Her husband cheated on her. And now she's all like, you need to move home to save your marriage and your family. Apparently it's been eight months since Evie and Cal separated. And he's like, hey, I'm just giving her space. You know, I want her to respect me. Oh, oh. And then she's saying about how, oh, your family's such a mess. You got one who's stuffing her face with carbohydrate. Oh, yeah, we did see the gingerbread and the pizza at the mall and whatever else. Like <coughs> uh, This is enough, lady. She's like, oh, and I'm hiding behind those head things. They're called headphones. And uh, Evie's about to explode and Tina is got better sense than all y'all, but I don't understand how. Like, okay, you need to go. Bye. Because Kel's like, Kel's like, why are you treating me like I'm 12 years old? Because I guess I had the same damn conversation at Christmas. Yeah, she's like, no one's giving that child guidance or limits. Like, all right, that's enough. As he's like, all right, let's put you back on this greyhound to wherever the hell you live. Because uh, I, I can't take this judgment anymore and I shouldn't have to. So... You can tell Rachel just loves her grandma more than anything, and she wants to live with her, but her grandma's like, no, you gotta stay here and take care of your mom and sister. And it's like, oh, I can't believe that Tina just can't give her baby to a couple that can't have a baby and would love it. And it's like, uh, okay, well, whatever, girl, just chill. Oh, so Cal must live in, like, a townhouse or something that's got a garage. That was a, the, the room, it was, like, so white. The walls were so white and everything, and that was a really nice place. So, he's pretty much telling her, you can't just come in here and start fixing things and judging us. We're, when you leave, we're going to go back to the way that we always handle things. And these are our messes to take care of. And she's always like, ah, I just want to come in and fix things, and... You always want to speak your mind and this and that. And it's like, try harder, son, to fix this. So this is the saddest baby shower ever. You got Evie and Jane inside. You got Lori and Tina outside. And it's just nobody came to this baby shower. This is horrible. And apparently, I guess Lori is three years older than Tina. Okay. Because she says one, like, New Year's Eve, they try to stay up till midnight, and Tina was six and Lori was nine, which, it's kind of funny because, like, there, there's a bit of an age gap. <laughs> I'm guessing that Jane and Evie must have been friends growing up, and then their kids are friends or something. So, yeah, Lori's like, um, you're probably looking at 35 before you get any real sleep again. Although if you turn into one of those mother, if your kid follows your footsteps, you'll be a young grandmother and you won't get any sleep until you're like, and, or if you're a young grandmother raising your grandchild, you won't get any sleep again until like 55 and teens like, oh my god, I'll be so old. Okay, this is 1998. Do we still think that 55 was like 70 or 80? Come on now. Like, oh my gosh, get my walker. Like, 50 is not, 55 is not what it used to be as far as how people look. People that are 55 now look like they're 35 or 40 or 45. I don't know. Right, Quinn? <laughs> 
So, I guess a couple others did show up. We just didn't see them. Uh, Melody, the girl whose boyfriend Paul broke up with her, and a girl named Linda. I'm having a hard time remembering who she was. Maybe it might have been that uh, teen mother who had given... That might have been the teen mother who gave this speech. I can't remember. But, of course, Tina's upstairs crying, and it's like, I get it. You, This wasn't how you imagine your baby shower being. And then... Evie and Tina kind of talk about um, how Tina says that she always, you know, saw her parents as fighting and everything and just really didn't, you know, as far as them being a role model for, for marriage and everything and just they were fighting so much that she felt like she couldn't feel, you know, their love and affection. They're so busy fighting and she's says how this pregnancy for her is gives her uh, a purpose and something to look forward to and then she'll finally have somebody to love that will love her back and her mother is just so surprised and, sh and shocked at her daughter's words like I'm sorry that our love for you wasn't enough and Tina's like well my baby I'll be able to give my baby lots of love and they'll my baby will love me back, and Evie's like, you know, babies take a lot more love than they give in return at first. I mean, and Tina's gonna find Tina's gonna find that out. Like, baby is going to need more than what you can even imagine from you. And at least she, I mean, she will have a support system, but this is gonna be all Tina, and this is not just gonna be a walk in the park. So, looks like Rachel is returning home with Angus. Like, hey, we want to return home. And Abby's like, how come? And Grandma told Rachel to. So, it's not like Rachel wanted to, but Grandma said, you need to be helping out your mom and sister. They're going to need you and your support. So, basically, Cal wants to come back home. And she, Abby's really worried. Like, I don't know that I can trust you. And he says, well, you're going to have another baby to have to pay attention to and pretty much raise. You know, I don't know if you'll be giving a lot of attention to me. I, I don't, I've, she just says, I'm not going to be able to trust you. This is too soon. And they also are talking about how the fact that Tina's going to start high school as a mother. And even, I guess, at the doctor, Tina was bragging about how she looked forward to breastfeeding. And Cal just wanted to, like disappear into the floor. So this is really sweet. Cal takes the family out for Mother's Day and of course Abby gets a yellow rose and the mother-to-be Tina gets a really pretty pink carnation rose. It's cute. Because Cal wanted to make a fuss of course it's his daughter. So it looks like Tina's hanging out with Lori on her break. They're going to the food court and Tina's saying that one of the girls in her class already gave birth and that it hurt like hell. Her baby's like 10 pounds. He's such a fat baby with ugly hair. Like, oh, wow. <clears throat> I love how Tina is all like, hey, can you give me a root beer? I'll pay you back. And Lori just rolls her eyes. It's like, I am living like hand-to-mouth existence here and I have a two-year-old and I'm working a part-time job making next to no money and you want me to buy you a root beer when you clearly could pay for it yourself. Yeah, Tina is all about, like, oh, I couldn't stand it if Caleb and my baby just came out looking ugly or weird. Like, oh, my goodness, girl. 
Well, Lori and Tina get into an argument here. Lori was hoping that maybe since Tina is now on bed rest, or she's supposed to rest in the afternoon, that she would watch Allison for her to save her, you know, daycare money. And, of course, Tina's like, well, you never asked. And Lori's like, well, I was hoping that you would just volunteer. Like, it would just come to you. Lori's calling Tina shallow and you should be more responsible. <sighs> Tina, enough with the, oh, Allison could use a man in her life. What? Just enough. Enough, enough. Girl, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I like where Al, or, um, where Lori is coming from. She doesn't want her daughter to have to depend on a man. She wants her to be a free thinker, to be independent and responsible on her own. And of course, Lori's like, Tina, you are way too self-centered to be a mother. Your kid is going to be so spoiled. So Tina gets up and is like, oh, everyone thinks I'm so stupid. I mean, don't you think I already know that this baby's going to change my life? Oh boy, here we go. So Tina's flipping through a clothes catalog. Apparently, Rachel broke her fucking leg. I think she was like ice skating or some bullshit. Like, the hell? You just see Tina, who's looking out the window at this, just rolling her eyes like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. A pregnant teen and a teen with a broken leg. That's just great. So, yeah, Rachel fractured her ankle in two places. Oh, my goodness gracious sake. Of course, she goes to lay down on the couch where Tina has just vacated it, and they get into a big old squabble. Like, I was sitting there! I was laying there! I'm supposed to rest in the afternoon! And, of course, Rachel's like, but I got a broken ankle! And, of course, you know that they're going to defend Tina. Like, no, I'm sorry, but your sister is pregnant, so she gets the couch. And Tina, or, or Rachel just hikes it upstairs so fast with those crutches. Like, you're supposed to have a broken ankle. I don't think you'd be hiking up those stairs on a broken ankle. That's broken in two places. Enough with the fat jokes! Yeah, that's the thing with the Rachel here. They show her, like, stuffing her face with gingerbread cookies and pizza and whatnot. And it's just like, oh my goodness. This girl is not fat. I'm sorry. But Tina's like, oh, you probably fell because you're so fat. And Rachel's like, look who's talking, Tina. It's like, that's not fat, that's pregnancy. That's your nephew you're talking about. This girl needs to not hang out with her grandmother anymore, but apparently that's where she wants to go. Like, as soon as school lets out, I am going to live with Grandma. Those are all like, here, let's, let us take you upstairs because Tina's pregnant and she needs the couch. And then she's like, oh, none of you should have kids. You should all three, all three of you should be thinking about where you're spending eternity. You need to not talk to your grandmother because she's filling your head with all this stuff. She's also like, oh, once you get the baby seat, car seat, and the van, there won't be room for me, and I'm tired of being a fifth wheel. I'm sorry, but you don't talk to your family, your parents that way. Like, oh, you better think about where you're going to spend eternity, because you're probably going to hell, because you let your daughter get pregnant. Or, what the hell, girl? Enough. You don't... Give her to the grandmother then at this point, because enough with her. I'm tired of it. Her judgmental attitude. Granted, Tina's not any better, but I can't take any more of Rachel. And she's not fat either. 
I think Julia Wheeland um, was on that show once and again with Shane West. So, yeah, sounds like Cal and Evie are deciding whether or not to let Tina go to the farm. The farm. Hey, that's what we called uh, my grandparents' house, the farm. It's still called the farm, even though my grandparents don't live there anymore. They downsize. And Evie's just like, oh, if she misses Caleb's birth, it would just absolutely destroy Tina. You know, we'll just talk about Rachel going to the farm, and Evie's like, oh, when I was her age, I never would have went on a bus alone to Kansas. And Cal's like, well, maybe Rachel's just braver. All right, looks like Evie and Tina are going to Lama's class because they got blankets and pillows with them, so I can only assume, all right, this has got to be Lama's class. Why do they look at each other like, uh, do we want to be here? I don't think we do. Let's get out of here. I, they, they got that look on their face like, uh... Because this lady's like, oh, let's give ourselves a round of applause. We've almost reached the finish line. Yay! And, yeah, they just, Tina and Evie share a look like, okay, this is some happy sunshine, um, <laughs> whatever activity. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, no, they've been spotted. They have no choice. They have to, they have to do this now. <sighs> I feel bad for them. Raise the sunshine and positivity. Like, Ew. Okay, so while they're leaving Lamaze, Tina spots her soccer teammate who's given birth to her baby, and unfortunately the baby is premature, which is sad. So she says that the baby is four weeks early, so he's got to stay in the neonatal, neonatal unit. And she named him Andrew, which... Isn't that, that's Tina's brother's name is also Andrew, isn't it? I'm sorry, my bad, it's actually Adam. Duh. Oh my god. <laughs> no, actually, apparently the uh, biblical uh, name Andrew means strong, and of course, you know, I, I think her name is Gabby, right? And she's upset thinking that the baby's just weak. It's like, girl, you gotta have a positive attitude, sweetie, because uh, you can only go up from here. As far That's what I think. And that baby's gonna need a strong mama to be confident that he is going to survive, and he's gonna get strong, and he's gonna be... Yeah, he's, this baby's gonna be a fighter. And he needs you to help fight for him. So, Lori and Tina make up. Tina does apologize. I, I'm sorry for being such a jerk. I'm just, I'm nervous about giving birth. And she says how, um, Melody. Okay, the girl's name is Melody. Gotcha, gotcha. Why did I think it was a Gabby? I don't know. Um, I was saying that Melody's baby was really small and tiny and premature. And Lori's like, you know, don't worry about the attitude. And the, you, it's just, um, your hormones are all over the place. It's like, basically her attitude is amped up times ten. <laughs> and Laura's just like, listen, you need to stop worrying because you're just going to make yourself sick. The baby is going to be just fine. So, also, Tina's already named her baby boy Caleb. So, of course, it's going to be you know, after the dad. Even though the dad's name is Cal, which is short for Calvin, but still. So Rachel's hanging out on the couch watching ice uh, figure skating while she's eating chips 
and feeding them to Angus, who's just hanging out with Rachel. This dog, I swear, only loves her. He's not around anyone else. But then again, she's probably the only one who pays attention to this dog. He's feeding that dog potato chips, and it's going to have the raunchiest shits. So Lori's going to take Tina to go, to go see Melody at the, at the hospital and see how the baby's doing and all that good stuff. And of course, Abby's like, oh, Tina, I'm so proud of you. And Rachel just gets up from the table. It's like, ugh, I can't stand this. This whole family has a fucking attitude problem. My god, girl, chill your shit. I've never seen someone run so fast on crutches in my life. But Tina's gonna go out and see what the hell's up with Rachel, who's just outside pouting. <coughs> Anything I can do to help? You're one of those ice skating champions. I'd like a big sister who's really famous, not just for getting pregnant at 14. She's not famous for that. If you want to be an ice skater, you should go for it, right? <coughs> Choose what you want. Like you? I didn't really choose this. It just happened. It didn't just happen. You let it happen. <coughs> You'll see. When you have your first boyfriend, I'll never have a boyfriend. And not because I'm fat. I don't want one. Okay. I'm never having any babies either. You might. Don't say <coughs> never. People die having babies. Why did you hear that? Your church youth girl? Holly read it at her mother's doctor's office. <laughs> 20% of women die while giving birth. Oh, he's a twin. Yeah, clearly. Best friend. Well, you need are to you find a new like best that? friend. Or are you just hoping? Rachel! Oh my goodness, where I can't I don't even know where to start with this girl. <laughs> She's not like, I'm not well yeah. Tina's like, oh well, this just happened, you know, getting pregnant. Rachel calls her out like, oh no, it didn't just happen. And Tina's like, you wait and see. When you get your first boyfriend, and Rachel's all like, I'm not gonna have a boyfriend. I'm not having kids either. And Tina's like, you might, so don't say never. So it seems like Tina's handing out an olive branch to Rachel, and Rachel's just throwing it back in her face. Like, Because she's like, hey, if you want to be an ice skater, you go be an ice skater. Whatever you want, you want to do. And then she's like, yeah, I heard that... Teen mothers, like, die in pregnancy get, or giving birth, like, 20%. Like, Holly read it. Her best friend Holly read it in her mom's uh, office, you know, one of those magazines. It's like, ugh. and And Tina's like, what the hell? What, are you hoping I die? She don't need to hear the information. She's freaked out enough. So now... Evie is going to go see Kale at his work. And he does say, he said that that lady that he was seeing, I guess, moved back to Arizona or some place. So that's, that's done and over. So Evie's bringing up a good point. It's like, can we even afford to raise this bear? <laughs> the hospital alone is $2,000. And Cal brings up, well, we could always go after, you know, the baby daddy. And she's like, what, you're going to have his car impounded or whatever? I mean, the guy's 16 years old. You're going to go after a teenager? Wait a minute. So if teen got, she was 14 and he was 16, uh, how does that work in when it comes to who's, because he's not even a legal adult yet. 
I don't even know. I don't know. So he told Tina that he expects her to get a part-time job alongside finishing high school if she wants to stay at home and live with the baby. Apparently she and Cal, because it's a Spangler construction or whatever it is, they ran that business together, and then eventually I guess she's working for the city and stuff like that, so... This is adorable! She's pulled out some fabric swatches. She wants to make a quilt for her first grandson's crib. That's adorable! Aww. Looks like Rachel's getting her wish. She's going to the farm to live with Grandma for a bit, at least until the baby's born. Um, And, of course, she can't bring the dog with her, so they have to worry about Angus. Oh, that poor dog. Without Rachel, what is he going to do? He loves that girl. He even has to say, don't forget about Angus. Looks like Cal is moving back into the house. All right, cool. One big happy family. It looks like kids are graduating, or at least the ones that are graduating from 8th grade to ninth grade, or what? however the school works. I don't know. Maybe they go... Uh, from ninth grade starting high school in 10th grade. When I did it, it was 8th grade junior high and then ninth grade is high school. Tina asked Melody how the, how her baby's doing and I guess the doctors are saying the baby is getting stronger, will be able to be released soon and Melody's just kind of worried about herself and Tina's like, well, are you going to start high school in the fall because we'll let you bring your baby with you and Melody's like, well, how does that work? And I guess, I ugh, I don't even get it. She's, Tina says Lori brings a car seat and puts her baby in. Her baby, it's a toddler. You're putting a toddler in a car seat and expecting it to stay there for how many hours? Ugh, that's going to be a nightmare and a half. So, yeah, Melody's boyfriend Paul has not shown up and not seen the baby. Ray, of course, is MIA forever, hopefully. But she's pretty much over him. Good for you, Tina. So we see that also the graduates are having a prom night. It's junior high. But Tina's hanging out on the porch reading a book. And, of course, I love what Cal does here. He brings out a corsage and dances with her on the porch. It's so sweet. Like, I'm sorry you couldn't be there to be at your prom and, you know, your regular school. But we can have a prom porch dance. I love this song so beautiful. Ray, I have this dance. Don't be weird. I'm way too fat to dance. Not to me. sweet scene here too with Evie and Cal. They're just hanging out on the 
porch swing. He's giving her a fun massage. And she's just saying, you are the greatest father just for being there for your daughter. This is a sweet scene here with Adam and Tina as he's saying how don't you think Ray should do something like since he put the baby inside of you and everything like that. And of course, she raised up her um, stomach to show off her shiny belly. And he, it's, it's a cute scene between this brother and sister. You want to feel him kick? It's really cool. Alrighty then. Okay, enough with Jim Carrey, please. Feels pretty weird. Does it hurt to have your skin stretched and shiny like that? No. You just get these creepy looking things called stretch marks. <laughs> but Lori gave me some cream that like helps get rid of them. I'd hate to never wear a bikini again. Don't you think Ray should have to do something for having his kid living inside you? Like pay rent? I'm sorry, teen. But if I got a girl in trouble, I swear I'd stand by her. Aww. I really would. Aww. You know what, Adam? You really are a twit. But you're a totally nice twit. He's like, yeah, shouldn't Ray, like, pay rent, you know, for having his baby living inside you? And he even says, like, if I got a girl in trouble, I'd totally stand by her. And she's like, Adam, you're a twit. But you're a really nice twit. Aww. And she ruffles his hair. Alright, they're gonna do this adorable baby montage, picking out baby clothes with Evie and Tina. Aww. It's just like, it's like, Evie's like following Tina, just zipping around the store, like, oh my gosh, it's, like, yeah, we gotta, like, uh, <laughs> be money conscious here. I know you want all these things, but let's, uh, prioritize here. Like, whatever you don't get, you can always get later on. Getting the look, it's a stroller, carriage, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, Mom, it's so cute, can we get it? And Abby just puts, like, the clothes and the blue duck that Tina picked out. Like, okay, we're getting it. It's sweet! And she hugs her, like, yes! I, know, I don't know what store they're in, but I do see some golden books of Aladdin, Pocahontas, and Snow White. Cal, of course, is painting this bedroom for the baby blue. Oh, it's like a sky blue. Aww. It's right across from the hall from the bathroom. Well, that works out. Uh, yeah, we got a bassinet. We got a beautiful rocking chair. Oh, they're setting up this room nice. Oh, Evie's going and sitting in Rachel's empty bedroom. She's into insects because there she's got an insect mobile thing hanging from her ceiling. So, yeah, it looks like uh, Lori passed her classes. She got three A's. That's great. The room is really set up now for the baby. Got a changing table, diapers, a crib liner, um, a mobile. Oh, it looks great. There's even um, a print. Of, it looks like a poem that's got two angel babies kissing one angel baby kissing the other one, and it's got a poem on it that's on the wall. That's great. So Tina, of course, asks Lori, will a part of me always have to love Ray because it's his baby too? And Lori tells Tina, 
that, um, you know, she thinks of her ex when she looks at her daughter and sometimes when it's so hard wishing that he could be there. But Lori's like, Ray would not have been there for you and your baby. He hasn't been there throughout your pregnancy. So I would just, like, give up on that right now. All right, looks like they're going to induce because they're getting everything ready to take to the hospital. The, uh, also this stuffed horse that's got, like, purple flowing locks of hair and everything else, so. Oh, I see that Tina's got the quilt that Abby made for the baby. Because I remember those blue squares that she was pulling out of the drawer to make a quilt. So yeah, Abby, Cal, and Tina are out the door to the hospital. And of course, she's like, hey, call your grandmother right away. Let her know that the baby's coming. All right, so here's the delivery scene. Give her some drugs. <laughs> Those contractions. Dang. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was not the delivery scene, but oh my goodness. Uh, guess who comes strolling in? Ray is... Carrot Top Girlfriend. Luckily, Kale is there to, uh, you need to leave. You don't get to be here. And of course, Ray's like, well, it's my kid too. And he's like, not today, it's not. You can wait in the waiting room and we'll let you know when the baby's born. <laughs> we had to bring his girlfriend with him? Get out. <laughs> hey, hey, it's my kid too. Not today. Sperm doesn't entirely too much. Now, now, you and your friend, you go wait in the room down the hall. A nurse will bring him up for you to see. Why do they sue for his, for him to give his paternal rights up? Oh, 
Caleb Spring. It's quite a mouthful. I wonder where she came up with that. She says it's on account of the Bible, but I believe it's because of you. She wanted another cow in her life. I cannot imagine a bigger day, except maybe her wedding. Wish that come first. <laughs> Me too. I can't stop thinking how everything will turn out for me. I cannot believe <laughs> Tina went through labor and delivery before she drove a car. <laughs> and I, I can't believe we all came through it in one piece. <laughs> All right, yeah, oh, I teared up. I knew whenever there's a baby scene in a movie or at a TV show, I tear up. Oh my goodness, happy, happy tears, happy tears. So yeah, um, yeah, I think she wanted to go through the birth naturally, no drugs or anything like that, and uh, she delivered her baby. And I love how her father and mother were by her side. Lori was there, Jane was there, just encouraging her and like keep pushing i know it hurts just one more and you'll meet your son and it's just i like that the doctor kind of left that annoying bedside manner for like no in the delivery you gotta be somewhat come come on now but i mean it's just great she was surrounded by people she loved and cared about that helped her through the delivery and the baby just oh look at that big baby <laughs> so sweet and of course i thought because they were calling him calvin for cal calvin they're calling him cal caleb for a while so the fact that cal was surprised like caleb like where did you come up with that and evie because uh Cal and Evie are you know, hanging outside the the room, and she's like, I, she says it's from the Bible, but I think she just wanted another Cal in her life. And he's like, Caleb Spangler. That's a mouthful. Well, your name's Calvin. <laughs> it's one letter longer, but yeah. And they're just saying, like, I wish that, you know, the biggest day of her life could have been her wedding day first. And Evie's like, yeah, you know, she went through labor and delivery all before she learned how to drive a car. <laughs> and now we get to see Tina being wheeled out of the hospital, being pushed by Cal and everything. And Adam, of course, is just a firecracker, just zipping around like easy there, kid. He's holding the the hospital bag with all the, or the diaper bag with all the stuff. <laughs> oh, the grandma and the sister have arrived. <laughs> See the baby. Somebody's mother, whether I want it or not. 
Babies are nice, if you're ready. But it takes a lot to care about somebody else, more than you care about yourself, especially when you're still a kid. So, to sum it up, Tina pretty much says how for the rest of her life, whether she wants to be or not, she's going to be someone's mother. And she doesn't know what's going to happen to her. And babies are nice and everything, but, you know, she's just a kid, so. I mean, think about it. When she turns 21, little Caleb's going to be starting preschool or kindergarten, so, yeah. And that's the movie. I I liked watching this again. Um, I just... It's, it's such a good movie, and it just, I know for 1998, and now it's a little bit outdated in some sense. I mean, since then, like I said, we've had the reality shows like Mom at 16, Teen Mom, stuff like that, that seems to really glorify, you know, teen pregnancy and make it like, oh, if you get pregnant, you get to live in these fancy houses and be filmed 24 hours a day, and... It's just... I gotta say, Kristen Dunst did an amazing job playing Tina, just a hormonal teenager. And um, also, the guy who played her boyfriend, who played Ray, I mean, the guy did a good job being a jackass. Cal and Abby Park overall, and um, the guy who played Cal, they did good jobs as Tina's parents, Julia Wheeland, and the kid who played Adam did great jobs. You know, as the siblings, just... Overall, I think everyone, in the grandma, of course, <laughs> a nagging grandma, everyone did a great job at their role. I really think they did. I don't know why we had to get so many Jim Carrey impressions from Adam, but, um, so, yeah, this was for the month of May in honor of Mother's Day. So, next month, of course, is June. I'll be focusing on Father's Day movies, so we're gonna do... Miss, Mrs. Doubtfire and our, the late Robin Williams and Father's Day and I'd like to get to um, Too Young to Be a Dad starring Paul well yeah, at the time when the movie came out in 2001 or 2 he went by Paul Franklin Dano <clears throat> and later on he went by Paul Dano he's actually kind of made a bit of a name for himself with some of his movies but I like that this one too Young to Be a Dad does showcase his talent. Uh, we get a young boy who's about, probably about Tina's age, 14, 15, and he's, like, on a roll and all that, straight-A students, and he ends up getting his first girlfriend pregnant. So now we're going to see the effects it has on the dad, the baby daddy's point of view. So, um... Yeah, I'll see about covering that in late June. So I hope you all enjoyed this review. Like I said, I enjoyed covering it. So have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye.